0: Chapter 1 You're Too Nice Looking to Work for Hospice Being Made Welcome by My New Career I started looking for hospice work in 2005 as I wrapped up a three year contract with Progressive Temple Beth Ahavat Shalom in Brooklyn, New York. Though I had my share of detractors while serving there, I did have my ardent fans as well. As my contract was drawing to a close, I interviewed for pulpit as well as hospice positions being ambivalent about leaving congregational life. The congregation was unaware that I was considering serving at hospice. As of yet unannounced to a soul, soon after I got the offer from United Hospice of Rockland, one of these fans said, "'Rabbi, I don't care how far away your next post is, I will follow you there.' I told him I was overwhelmed with his faithfulness and touching sentiments, but that he would not want to fulfill his vow, as the only way he would be following me would be as a hospice patient." a portrait painter would have had a heyday capturing the motley crew of emotions all over his face. And that was one of the more positive reactions to my announcement of my career plans. One person made such an expression of disgust, you would think I had already ritually defiled myself from contact with the dead as described in the book of Leviticus. He was afraid I would be contaminating him in no time. Sure enough, he backed away from our remaining opportunities to get together over coffee. Someone else, upon hearing the news, raised his arms as if to protect himself, emitted an, oh, looked away, and retreated a step or two. Mentioning my new career to my congregants definitely was a way to throw a curveball into a conversation. Nowadays, there is the mischievous part of me that sometimes gets a kick out of springing the surprise upon unsuspecting listeners such as fellow bed-and-breakfast guests. Yet another congregant gave me a knowing look, saying, that is just the kind of job that would suit you. Maybe I was imagining it, having been stung by the premature end of my tenure, but it felt like the subtext of that remark was, a pulpit rabbi you should not or could not ever be. I had visited her a number of times for bereavement care, listening to her accounts of family lost in the Holocaust. Another reaction from multiple members of the congregation was, "'Ah, so you're retiring!' So onward I went, with all these oaths of confidence, to life at the edge. Though to be fair, some people greatly respect and marvel at this form of service. And, as with all new challenges, I was indeed on edge about what lay ahead. In addition to dealing with those often skeptical responses, I was not sure how a handicap of mine would play out in this new setting. I have a listening disorder that is hard to explain, and therefore hard to get people to make adjustments for. When I hear other sounds the same time that I hear speech, my brain does not allow me to ignore the extraneous sounds and focus on the speech. I hear everything, but what I hear takes some wrong turns as the brain interprets the sounds. So when I'm with friends in a restaurant, for example, the conversations at the other tables, the sounds of dishes being washed, the background music, and especially the sounds of coffee makers, all compete to make hearing my friends a fatiguing enterprise. This is probably what it's like for a person communicating in a second language that they do not know very well. As I discovered, nursing homes are full of noise, and sometimes the patient I was visiting spoke softly. So I did what I could to steer the patient out of the common areas and into her room or some quiet nook. I may have what is called central auditory processing disorder, but I never have sought a formal diagnosis. I had to contend with this problem from the start, with my colleagues, too. If an air conditioner was rattling away at a meeting, I had to concentrate very hard to understand what they were saying. If the door was open with the copier chugging away, same effect. No matter how closely I concentrate on what people are saying on the job or off, I can guarantee you I miss a certain percentage of what is being said. Often than not, there will be some background noise which the normal brain unconsciously and automatically screens out, but my brain doesn't. So if a social worker and I were standing in a hallway to discuss a patient, and I heard a car going by through an open window, I would miss some of what she was saying until the sound of the car faded away. Even when I forewarn my colleagues and friends about this listening disorder, they often forget about the problem or misunderstand it and think I'm partially deaf. Moreover, my processing of speech in a noisy place takes longer, and so I confuse and annoy people with my slow reaction time. A fellow chaplain once told me that talking to me is like when a newscaster on TV says something to another one at a different location and there's a brief delay before the latter hears what is said.